0: Welcome, Welcome. my name is Eline and I'm a holistic coach offering personal and transpersonal coaching for DJs and producers in electronic music. I am happy to invite you in and to get comfortable for the next hour. This is a brave space, a place where it is safe to get vulnerable and talk openly about the pitfalls of being active in electronic music. Anxiety, depression, addiction, Addiction. the inability to find balance in music and in life, the pressures of staying relevant, and the many ways this competitive environment can affect mental health. Through a series of interviews with artists, artist managers, coaches, yoga teachers, meditation gurus, and more, I will help uncover a variety of ways to support and enhance mental health of artists in the electronic scene. I welcome you to join me on this holistic exploration of artists' well-being. In this space, diversity and equality are respected. So listen with an open heart. Let your unconscious mind soak it all in. For the next hour, you don't have to do anything. Just get comfortable, take a deep breath in, and mind the music. Hey there and welcome back to Mind the Music. I am so happy that you decided to tune in. It means a lot to me because I feel supported by you on this journey of well-being, awareness and electronic music. Now before we dive into this episode, real quick, I want to share with you a free guided meditation I created. I meditate every day and I think you should too it doesn't have to be complicated and you don't need to sit on your meditation pillow an hour a day to get the most out of meditating it just takes consistent practice through a daily commitment and just 10 minutes of your time my guided meditation is designed to help you to stay grounded and focused throughout your day and with any activity whether it's work making music or or handling life balancing issues you can do it anytime anywhere you can even do it in a toilet stall grab your free copy at bit.ly forward slash tum free meditation that's bit.ly forward slash t-u-m free meditation i hope you'll enjoy it and now it's time to dive into this episode of mind the music So my guest today is someone I have come to appreciate so much for his open-mindedness toward holistic healing, his capability of having candid conversations about mental health, and his insightful perspectives on natural substances like CBD, Cambo, Ayahuasca, and so on. But that's not all. He is also a music composer and producer based in London. Playing percussion, keys, and all manner of instruments, he creates a unique sound that is sacred, ambient, and immersive. Hi, Aaron. Welcome to the show.
1: Hi. Wow. Thanks for that introduction. Fabulous.
0: (laughs) You're so very welcome. So I gave already a short introduction, but there is so much more to share, which is why we're doing this interview. But how about you tell everyone who's listening a little bit more about yourself?
1: Sure, yeah, I'd love to. Not quite sure where to start. There are a number of things that I do that you probably want to talk about, and they come from a number of different places. Mm -hmm. Uh, But I guess I started my musical journey at a young age, uh, learning how to DJ and getting into drum machines. Uh, And then I progressed through the music business, Uh, had some success with one of my bands, which was great. I got to tour the world, and that opened up a lot of opportunities for me. Uh, in 2012 when I had a number one track with my band Sam and the Womp, Uh it was a great experience and that took me like around the world on the back of the music. Um, and then I progressed through that and that's when I really deepened my connection with sound and started to learn about sound associated with meditation and with ceremony and with healing. Um, and uh, I deepened my practice and learned how to perform and how to uh, lead sound journeys and sound, sound baths, gong baths, sound healings, whatever term you are comfortable with using. Mm -hmm. And um, yeah, at that same time, I've been investing and I started a CBD company with my friend to try and help promote the culture of CBD. And I've also most recently, as you picked up on, started a peer-to-peer, Uh, support group for uh, mental health in the music business awesome so amazing so much stuff to talk about
0: so about your music you've provided some music for this show Um, so can you tell me a little bit more about this piece that you've provided and by the way this will be running in the background and we will be listening to the rest of it after our conversation
1: yeah so this piece is uh, the second in my series of cassettes that I've been making for meditation, meditapes, I've called them. Mm-hmm. Uh, I played some shows which were using amplification, so not just traditional acoustic sort of gong bars. And I wanted to have a playback system that was guaranteed not to have an alert or a ping or some sort of digital artifact appear in it. So I, I worked out the cassettes were gonna be the most reliable and they don't have Wi Fi connection <laughs> on them. So <laughs> um, so I, I made a few cassettes and this is the second one in the series which has ambient backing sounds, ambient nature with very gentle chords so the tracks could be used for meditation um, or just to put on in the background to kind of slow down and drop that brainwave pattern into a more relaxed, more sort of deep um, theta, alpha, beta, theta, delta so the deep mm-hmm. brainwave patterns.
0: Yeah, it definitely has that effect. I can say personally, I listened to it a couple of times before the show. It's really amazing. Thanks. So moving on, I personally like the story about how we met. Can you tell that story? Do you remember?
1: <laughs> yeah, we met at my um, the shop that I opened, LDN CBD in Camden. You came down because you wanted to have a look at the basement space, which we were making available for various different opportunities we were doing some cbd massage we were doing some drum groups with cbd some one-to-one healings were happening there so there was lots of different things that were going on and you came down to look at the space to see if it was a space that would work for you to do some of these shows and meetings in mm-hmm.
0: and also thanks to dan so shout out Absolutely. to dan yeah he linked us <laughs> yeah so tell us a little bit about dan who's dan how did you meet and what is your connection
1: Dan Garber is a really old friend of mine and he showed up at, I think, my 21st um, party. Uh, he was a friend of a friend. who was living with one of my good friends, Raj. And he, he came down and that was the first time I met him. And, and then soon after that, uh, he moved into the basement of my student house and stayed there for a while. And we've just been firm friends ever since. He used to put me on at his nights at 93 feet east. And uh, I've worked with him on, on loads of projects.
0: Okay, amazing. So going back to the shop, um, I came to the shop and we had an amazing interaction about several topics. So to start off, let's, let's talk about the shop first. Why do people come to the shop? What, what are they looking for when they come?
1: Yeah, so people are looking, I think people are looking to sort of increase their wellness, mindfulness, those type of words come up a lot. We also have people who, who are suffering from <coughs> depression and anxiety, who are interested in finding holistic ways of, of trying to change the way they interact with those, those issues they may be having. We also do have some clients who are suffering from serious illnesses, even terminal. Uh, obviously, we, we, I can't make any medicinal claims and a shop doesn't make any medicinal claims, but we wanted to further the culture of cannabis. Cannabis has been through this Prohibition era, with a lot of negative culture around it. Um, the shop, we designed it in a way that would be really positive for people who had been excluded from cannabis because of the, the way the culture was. So, people of the older generation, uh, making it very friendly to all genders, all sexes, um, all identifications, a neutral space gender wise. Mm-hmm. Uh, and to promote that positive culture around cannabis, not just smoking to get high, utilizing it as a as uh, as a product that may help with health and wellness and mindfulness. And yeah, to change that culture, really.
0: And how has that been going so far?
1: I mean, it's gone wild. <laughs> when we set out <laughs> the shop, DVD was just, just coming into the consciousness and there we were arguably the first London-based or England-based boutique that was branded cbd and selling cbd and it was just the tip of the iceberg you know now you have cbd infused pillows and cbd is getting thrown on everything <laughs> so it's come such a long way since then uh and we were really happy to be the first people in the market and and really trying to still push that positive culture that inclusive culture
2: mm-hmm.
1: uh, i'm trying to not you know there's a lot of fad type um branding around it you know but it's uh Cannabis is a, is a really, really positive, helpful product and plant that we can utilize in our society and culture for the better if we do it responsibly and with the right scientific information.
0: Yeah, and if you're well-informed, which is also something that in your shop is something that I noticed right away, you you are very knowledgeable about what you do, what you offer, and just being well-informed is, I think, the best way to, to start exploring those things. Um
1: Yeah, definitely. We found that a lot of people came in and were saying that they'd been online and it wasn't obvious, Mm. you know, what strength to have, how they should take it, how much they should take, where it was from. So Mm -hmm. it was really great to have that door and well-trained staff and offer myself as well at times to help discuss it with people and educate them and share as much knowledge as possible.
0: Yeah. So I remember, again, back to that first meeting, we also talked a little bit about... Ayahuasca and Kambo, and you're you're very knowledgeable, as I mentioned um, earlier about these things, and I, during that conversation, certainly learned a lot about those substances just by listening to you. Um, What is it that drew you to those natural substances like Cambo and ayahuasca?
1: Well, it's a a number of things, I think, in our lives. We all seem to suffer a certain amount of trauma. Uh, um, We all have the stress of the city and living in this dimension and this culture. And so there are these plant medicines that are there and can be utilised to help us on that journey. And definitely for my journey, utilising some of these medicines has really helped me uh, in different ways. Uh, Cannabis being one of them, ayahuasca, peyote... Um, Cambo, um, they all have something to offer if approached um, with respect in the right way. Uh, mm-hmm. And more and more, our culture, I think, has the opportunity to progress and grow utilizing some of these plant medicines rather than, say, alcohol or cigarettes and tobacco, which seem to be the this, this sort of cultural piece that we've been coming out of with, with drinking and smoking uh, and we know that alcohol and, and tobacco can be very damaging for the body, um, even if they are effective immediately to reduce stress or to disconnect. Um, but when you're utilising cannabis or utilising ayahuasca or other plant medicines, there can be more of a challenge there intellectually um, uh, for the for the spirit. You know, it's not it's not like getting drunk where you just get outside of yourself, and it's a guarantee. There is work that people have to do. But that has a value uh, and, and can be really a huge piece in, in dealing with people's past trauma, which can lead to anxiety and depression, uh,
0: yeah.
1: which, which was the case for me.
0: Mm-hmm. And how did you kind of turn that around then for yourself? I mean, I, I imagine you didn't, um, you know, start using plant medicine right away. Or how did that go for you?
1: Plant medicine for me. The music was was what led me there. I was playing hang drums, and um, <clears throat> the hang drums sort of took me to a ceremony where I played hang drum at the ceremony, and and that was a really beautiful experience. Um, I, I was never medicated uh, for the mental health issues that I had. Um, I was I was um, self medicated using cannabis from quite a young age, which was effective for me. Cannabis and music always helped me when I had had challenging times.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, so it's going to be a different journey for different people, and I think that people who I have known who have who have been medicated for mental health issues, um, it's a very slow and a very supportive journey, you know, using plant medicine to try and try and utilise those those things instead of instead of some of the westerns. But I think everything works, and I and I'm not pro um, or anti. I, I and there are a lot of people out there who will say, oh, don't do this, don't do that. I mm-hmm. fully think that everything everything can help people mm-hmm. but it does seem that the general mental health scenario in in sort of the west is that uh, a lot of the medications can help but they don't always facilitate recovery and um, so they can they can stop the symptoms but fi- having a person to fully recover um, can be challenging so when people have utilized um, western medicine and are out of a certain amount of the issues they've had, and they want to they want to fully recover. More and more people seem to be utilising plant medicine for that final piece. Whether it's microdosing, mushrooms, whether it's ayahuasca ceremonies or magic mushroom ceremonies, mm-hmm. uh, or you you're starting to utilise cannabis or CBD. More and more people seem to be sort of finishing their journey with mental health into into wellness and utilising these plant medicines.
0: Yeah yeah that's really interesting. That's an interesting take. I kind of want to um, dive a little bit deeper in what you said earlier about cannabis and music helped you with your uh, mental health issues, and that is something I think you know a lot of people um, feel, especially when it comes to music. It helps them with expressing their feelings, it makes them feel alive. Music has a healing effect. however, there are also many pitfalls to it too, especially if you're very active in the music industry. It can invoke anxiety, fear of failure, creative blocks, you know, the pressures of the music industry getting to mm. you, the competitiveness. It can yeah. all be very detrimental to your well being. So I'm really curious, um, from your point of view, what is your take on artist well being? What does that mean to you?
1: Yeah, so obviously there's been quite a lot of quite a lot of sort of perception about this and consciousness coming up about this because music itself like you said can be very healing uh, very therapeutic for people who are suffering who need to express themselves but at the same time the music business itself has been showing itself more and more to be counter counter um, to to those 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 um, to the to the sort of yeah, to the effects of music itself. So you have this strange situation where music itself has the ability to to heal and to help, and people expressing themselves uh, is a beautiful thing for their for their journey through through whatever issues they've had. But the industry seems to be almost toxic
2: mm-hmm.
3: the way that
1: it um, interacts with people around their vulnerability as an artist, mm-hmm. around their time, uh, how it utilizes them. Uh, and can just sort of pass them by. You know, the music business has a bad reputation for finding people kind of taking what they have, uh, mm-hmm. trying to make as much money out of them and then dropping them once yeah. they're not hot anymore. Um, and that's a huge thing for people. Uh, we find more and more people um, suffering from mental health because of the effects of, of the music business. Um, so something that was positive becoming potentially negative for them because of the lack of support and and the lack of sort of traceability and onus in the industry uh record labels don't have um, a responsibility to their artists mental health and they push back against putting that in Mm -hmm. they're very keen not to have anything that looks like they might be responsible for that Um, and you look at the case of various artists who have sadly passed away uh, and it's very challenging to think who has the responsibility for this artist? Wasn't this artist touring too much? Uh, Wasn't someone aware that this touring artist was utilising a lot of uh, strong uh, Western drugs that can have huge side effects and can lead to death and alcohol at the same time? It's a a story that's played out without mentioning names with a number of of artists who sadly Mm -hmm. passed. And the questions that people have been asking is, where's the responsibility? Where's the family group?
2: Mm -hmm. where's
1: the consciousness that's that's watching this person and saying we want you to be well not just we want you to be able to make us money um and that's a tough that's quite a tough discussion to have in an industry that's very competitive very challenging very fast moving
0: yeah and especially knowing that people who come into the industry already have certain vulnerabilities because they are artists they are creators so they're putting a huge part of themselves out there through their music, yeah. you know, so yeah. that makes them extra vulnerable. And I think
2: definitely, that, I agree.
0: Yeah. And there actually are, I mean, we're saying this, but there's actually research that's backing this up. Help Musicians UK did a research on this in 2016. That's mm. definitely backing this up. And then, yeah. um, last year, um, in March, April, I don't know if you know this, but, um, There is this company, this digital distribution company in Sweden called Record Union, that conducted a survey amongst 1,489 independent music makers about mental health and well-being. And 73% of them said that they had experienced feelings of anxiety, stress, and or depression in relation to their music making. Now, the interesting part, I think, is um, that also in that study younger artists between the ages of 18 and 18 and 25 suffer more. The number there was 80%. And, and this I found very scary, of those 80%, only one in three claimed they have sought treatment. So that means two-thirds didn't. So then what happens to those two-thirds? And then again, referring back to that study, 51% of the respondents who said that they have experienced negative emotions in relation to their um, music creation, claimed to have self-medicated due to their symptoms and alcohol and drugs were mostly used as you just also mentioned. Now, Mm. what I'm very curious about is what can the music industry do in general to offer support to help artists live healthier and happier lives and have sustainable
1: careers? Yeah, that's really the question on everyone's lips, for sure. And there are being there are some some great some great movements forward. Um, I think that there's a lot more awareness around mental health in the industry coming, and there are a lot more organisations and individuals starting up vocational spaces um, for this and to help with this. So you have a lot more charities like Music and You or mm-hmm. Music Support, which offers a Great phone line to support musicians who are having any issues with alcohol, well, addiction at all, obviously, yeah. alcohol may be common, um, who are suffering from addiction and who want to speak to someone at any time. Someone who can understand the trials of, and sort of the lifestyle of a musician rather than the Samaritans who are, who are fabulous. But um, obviously, we know that being a musician has its own. And being being in the industry has its own special sort of stresses and and its own profile, which can be slightly different. And like you said, there's added vulnerability around that, which might not always be obvious to some other organizations. So we have, within the music business itself, these individuals and organizations. But really, the larger labels, the more responsibility they can take and the more onus they can take, the better. Um, If the larger labels started to pay into these funds... For musicians, mental health, um, some of these charities, that would be a step in the right direction. It doesn't look like the majors are going to put anything in contractually because they think it's too much of a risk for them, Mm -hmm. Um, which is very strange because if you work in the construction business and you manage a building site in a way that means that your workers are put under undue risk, uh, you can be liable for that. Whereas in the industry, it seems that, that hasn't been the case that if you treat artists in a way that puts them into undue risk or you don't care for them appropriately um, and they suffer ill effects no one there hasn't been a responsibility really for that um, with labels or managers or anyone else so it's interesting to see where it's going to lie because in the end it's not being picked up by anyone apart from these individual organizations which is great you know uh, and if everyone does their bit, that will definitely help. That's why I've started this this small peer to peer group for a place for people to share and feel supported. And I think that's that's a small part of the puzzle.
2: Yeah. Um, yeah. But generally,
1: information, education, um, and and investment and knowledge around around that is what's going to bring the change.
0: Yeah, and also I believe on a policy level because, you know, in this industry so many things aren't regulated. Like, for example, how much can you work? How much can you tour? You know, like that kind of stuff. Like if you work for a company, you have like, you have Mm. to take vacation. yeah. you're ill, you only
1: only drive for eight hours or six hours, is it, with with breaks? I agree. Musicians go on tour all year, you know, nonstop. Mm Mm-hmm. People yeah. know what it's like to be on the road and burn out, and yeah, you're right. There aren't any regulations around that.
0: No, and also, you know, in some cases, it's a matter of, you know, the mental health support that is available, or just the health support that is available in your country. That differs from country to country, you know. And I know in the UK, that's not always easy, easily accessible, um, or you get on wait lists if you need specialized support. And that's, that's not really what you need to hear when you're really suffering.
1: Um, yeah. So and by the time people often in the West feel that they're really suffering, they are almost or in crisis or right on the verge of crisis. Mm-hmm. Because more you know, people, as we open up to understanding mental healthy, not just sort of mental health, you know, um, it's like. With mental health, every day we should be doing some sort of mental healthy work, some gym work for our brain to keep ourselves in in good fitness. Like the way with our body, we need to go to the gym every now and again. It's not just you wait till your body is falling apart and then you suddenly go to the gym all the time. Yeah. You know, there is this sort of keeping keeping the mind healthy and keeping it moving. And that's another part to it is that a lot of people, like your statistic shows, are suffering in silence, aren't getting help or self-medicating, which mm-hmm. then can lead in some cases to crisis yeah having that open discussion having that ability to know um in yourself that you need to take breaks you need to take days off you need to be realistic with expectations you need to reach out to your peer groups you need to you know try and expand your consciousness around being healthy and around having mental space mindfulness and wellness is really the important piece i think for for the individual
0: yeah i totally agree and that's something that In my coaching business, I I value so much and and I try to find ways to offer coaching support outside of the clinical four walls, you know, Mm -hmm. the two chairs and the table with the box of Kleenex and the ugly painting on the wall, as I always call it, um, because I feel mental health and well-being is part of you and you take it with you every day, everywhere you go. And it's not something that you should take out, like you take your dog for a walk to the I don't know to the office of a psychologist, and then you go home and then you put it away again. It's
1: exactly it's just yeah, always that's there. Great. Yeah, one hundred percent. That's a great analogy. It's like a dog. If you leave your mental health at home, or if you just ignore it all day, it's going to chew things up. It's going to get unwell. It's going to, you know, the place is going to get wild, and and that's the culture a lot. You just have to put it down and be. Oh, this is an important meeting. This is an important gig. You know, but that's the nature of the business because it's such a high intensity business, and there is it is very popular and lots of people want to be in it and it's very spectacular Mm. this does seem to be the flip side of that
0: yeah the so-called hustle mentality which I'm not subscribing to (laughs) Mm. so speaking a little bit deeper into crisis you have shared with me some personal experiences Um, you have lost a lot of friends to suicide who (laughs) were also mainly musicians if I remember correctly would you mind speaking into that a little bit more? What happened there? What was your experience and how did you, did you cope as a bystander? Cause that's also important to talk about.
1: Sure. So last year there were a number of, of people who, who passed, who self exited, uh, as I say, I, I don't have judgment. I think there's still a lot of judgment around suicide and I understand it's a really challenging topic. Um, and when people get to that point there's there's a long leading um, of all these issues we've been talking about. So last year there was quite a flurry, um, of individuals who passed, uh, due to, due to strains and stresses from the music business. Um, and a number of friends of mine were in that. And some people who were acquaintances, uh, Keith from the prodigy was, was always at the studios, uh, for years and years and years, um, and obviously he was a high-profile case. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's very challenging for everybody around those individuals when the outcome is the person taking their own life because that's the end of the story. And we're left with this feeling that there was more that could have that been in the story. Um, no judgment if that's the point the person had got to um, I fully respect that. Mm-hmm. But I feel that there are so many things that can be done here to support those people and there's so much love and support for all the people who went personally. My friends who exited last year, I would have had a lot of time for them to give them personally and to try and connect with them and, and help and speak to them. But people isolate themselves um, and utilize alcohol. Those are the key indicators um, with, with suicide. And a lot of a lot of the people who passed and my friends uh, last year. So I, that really made me feel emotional around the subject, uh, sad sometimes about the fact that people didn't have any choice and there wasn't any support. Mm. So I started to increase my education and I did my mental health first aid course. I started my online counselor training um, to try and increase my knowledge of how I could help, help, help my friends, just help my close friends. Uh, and, and also seeing what I could offer with the businesses and spaces I'm involved with. So that's where I came up with this peer to peer support group, uh, which I started with my friend, Michael, who's a clinical, uh, psych, um, sorry, occupational therapist, mm. uh, for right. the NHS. He's, he's been an occupational therapist for 10 years. So he is, uh, he has all the credentials uh, to to be to hold a space like that uh, professionally, mm-hmm. and we started it. Uh, he's also had his own battle with music and mental health, and uh, and it looked like that was the space where there was the most to offer because there aren't many peer to peer support groups. You have Alcoholics Anonymous, which does an amazing job, Narcotics Anonymous, which many musicians were utilize. but just even before people are in that crisis of addiction to to have the space where people can discuss the problems, not feel alone, not feel isolated, discuss other avenues apart from self medication with alcohol or other other drugs and share share that burden of being in the music business. So that was that was my offering in reaction to 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 those individuals passing.
0: Yeah. And how is it how is it for you now? Like you've you've offered Um, peer-to-peer support and you're building that is that kind of part of the process for you to um, also recover from the loss that you have had last year
1: yeah that's definitely helps me cope because it feels like uh, I'm I'm connecting with that issue Mm -hmm. rather than just you know being sad and then what can we do to help? You know, it it feels good if there's a way that you can, for for me, definitely it feels positive that I can hold a space and think that those individuals could have come to that space and it it may have been positive for them. Mm -hmm. And and the productive element, because a lot of people, the the groups are small and and not many people come. It's a small intimate space. um, And it's very effective for the people who make it. But I, I do see that a lot of people see that it's happening and i think they just benefit from that to know that the space is there and to feel that they could come or to or to mention to me that they're interested or Mm -hmm. you know i think it's also a a conceptual piece um as well so so yeah it's definitely helped me cope with it and feel that i can have a sort of interaction and do something positive
0: yeah uh. And you in can use use your forward. experience and, and help, you know, put it reframe it into a different story and actually help people with that story. I think that's really beautiful. Yeah. So yeah. speaking yeah. of, where can people find you? What's the name of the peer to peer group? Where can they find you? Is there a website? Is there an offline space? If anybody's listening who's thinking I'm in London and I need this, where can they yeah. go?
1: You can find me directly on Instagram by looking up Aaron Horn and message me on there. I know a lot of people are on Instagram all the time, and that's an easy way to do it. Yeah. I check my messages. Uh, okay. I don't follow anyone though. Um, musiccircle.co.uk with a little dash. Um, if you want to find out a bit of information or look at an online calendar, mm-hmm. um, and you can find a contact and email us through the website. There's a there's a little contact form. Um, yeah. Uh, find Michael on Instagram as well and message him. And we're based out of West London at the moment. We're doing it from uh, a rehearsal facility called Music Bank, which is near Harlesden Park Royal. so right.
0: Yeah. Awesome. Amazing. Okay. So that's that. So if you need some support, if you're in London, Aaron Horn on Instagram, just send him a message and he will reply to
1: you. Yeah. Or musiccircle.co.uk also so, if you just want to fire off an email. Yeah. That's what's that
0: awesome okay so to round up a little bit i have two more questions no three more questions what are your top three tips for musicians to build a sustainable career in music
1: wow that's a great question i am still (laughs) doing that myself (laughs) um building a sustainable career I think I think that the tips for sustainability would all be around lifestyle and wellness for me because when you're in the music business you can have times when you're making a lot more money than other times um, and you can have lots of different experiences that will that will help you get through that moment but if sustainability is the key word it's all about regularity and lifestyle and consistency so to have a sustainable, career in in music I do think you need to put put your health physical and mental and your wellness right at the top of of the pyramid of Maslow's pyramid of needs a lot Mm -hmm. of people in the business put success at the top of that um, or perceived success plays all of these things and I think really being honest with yourself knowing what your strong points are what your weak points are uh, understanding what success means for you understanding what you're capable and able of and being realistic is is absolutely paramount and, and will help you be sustainable. If you push as hard as you can and burn out in the first few years, which I've seen my friends do and people around me do, mm-hmm. and the you will play into that, uh, it's not going to be sustainable. So even though it might be the best route or the most fastest or the wealthiest, it might not be the most sustainable. So really spending the time to dig into yourself and finding out the lifestyle that you want to lead seeing that vision of where you want to be how you want to be interacting with music and so that means being also humble in the way you build up your income revenue streams you know looking at other ways you can make income that isn't just releasing records that will be hits whether it's working in community projects teaching Mm -hmm. um learning music for for adverts obviously Mm -hmm. consistent forms of income that that will that will that will form a base of, of, of income whether it's passive or active uh, that you can rely on and you can build your, your network mm-hmm. you know so those i'm kind of putting the three tips into one you know yeah. so it's, you know, sort of a self-wellness and and you know authenticity uh forming networks around different work uh and different opportunities um and, and really pacing yourself and, and being realistic and being open to exploring other part-time work. I've definitely seen people who have put their heart in the industry, tried to do it full-time when, it, when it, there weren't economically that availability and it can be great to have, have another part-time job or another job that you utilize uh, and you work until you really have that strong economic base those offline income sources and the online networks to utilize rather than pushing yourself and then feeling like you failed because you couldn't Mm -hmm. make enough money to pay your rent. You know, it takes most businesses up to four years Mm -hmm. if you start a normal business to sort of be in profit. And I think it's very much the same with the music business. Um, So I think really being realistic and trying to do things slowly is, is the very best advice I could give.
0: Yeah. I totally resonate with that advice, especially what you said about, um, knowing what your definition of success is, not yeah. thinking what you what you think success to be. Like, for example, for me, it's living my life in the way I want to live my life. That's being successful to me. If I can manage that, then I feel like I'm successful. That's and, great, yeah. And also, I feel like most musicians that I meet um, and that I work with definitely don't have that approach, and I try to kind of teach them that that kind of approach from being an entrepreneur rather than I'm just a musician because there is a lot more that comes with it and you just spoke into that really nicely and I think that's good. As you said, most businesses take four, sometimes even five years to become profitable. Mm. Um, so, yeah, there is no shame in having a side gig that you can use to kind of give that other thing that you really want to do a boost. You know, it's investing yeah, so in yourself. I'm,
1: I'm, and I think it's a great it's a great one for the for the mental strain and stress because if you have something where you can um, have outcomes, you know, a small part time job where you know you're you're fulfilling your needs, where you're working with a team, where it's effective and consistent, that can really help because the music industry can be really stop start, can be very isolating, and if it's mm-hmm. just you on your own trying to hustle all the time, that can really lead to burnout and breakdown.
0: Yeah, for sure. No, that's that's definitely one of the main things I think. That and also, even, in-
1: like volunteer work, you know, even yeah. people who are sort of quote unquote successful volunteer to just get them out of that space and keep them inspired, keep them connected to other real world activities, you know, because music's fabulous because of that. We all love the escapism, and there is a huge magic to it. You can yeah. work on this, on this beautiful song, this beautiful piece that inspires people, interacts with people, is so fabulous. But that itself can be slightly disconnecting and so having those reconnection points having that consistency that routine these things that help with our wellness and keep us in a calm place you know because it's good to have that as well as that meteoric opportunity for complete beauty and success and mm-hmm. manifestation.
0: no yeah every skill in life is transferable so whatever you learn in another job or project you will be able to put to work in other parts of your life you know it's a holistic view yeah for some reason (laughs) okay so i have one last question and then we're done when was the last time you did something for the first time
1: when was the last time i did something for the first time that is a great question i try and i try and do new things and things that challenge me most days as much as i can just slightly just to try and keep an, an edge but I'm trying to think of one that, that sounds good because <laughs> you know, I, I looked at the trees differently this morning when I was drinking my, my tea and looking out the window, I, I found a different edge to the branches that I see every day. That's um, a beautiful one. Like, I love nice it. That's nice, right? It doesn't, you know, I went skydiving yesterday, or, you know, I haven't done that, um, uh, but some, like I tracked up my voice yesterday a cappella. Um, that was fun. I haven't I haven't really done that um, free form. Like I was working with some of the chanting yesterday, and I just tracked up my voice on it by itself. That was really cool. That was kind of a little bit scary and fun. And so yeah.
0: Cool. Sounds amazing. (laughs) Lovely. Thank you so much, Aaron, for sharing all of this with me and everyone who's listening. I really appreciate you for opening up about this and having this conversation. Thank you so much.
1: Thank you for the work you're doing around the space and and providing me with this opportunity.
0: Uh, You're welcome. (laughs) Thank you so much.